0: Good to see you guys uh, here in the great state of Florida. Um, uh, I'm very blessed to be here this evening. This is the first, uh, the first time I get to speak once I'm out of COVID, thankfully. And uh, I'm, uh, you know, this state gave me the COVID. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But I still like it. It's okay. But I didn't want to give it to anyone else. So I kept myself locked up in a hotel room for 10 days. And I'm out of prison. And I'm not on parole. And everything is good. Well, uh, it's good to be here this evening. And to be able to share with you um, from the Word. But of course, I'll, uh, I'll probably not do justice to myself or to many uh, if I don't say a couple words about what is really, truly going on around the world right now, as we uh, we all witness um, a lot of things that are happening, uh, some things that you are aware of, and many things that you are not aware of. Um, but even when we see all of these things, it's so easy to get caught up with despair, and uh, sadness, and anguish, sometimes to be very, uh, 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 I guess, uh, uh, someone who is uh, um, always afraid of, of, of the next step. We, we, we must understand God is in full control of everything. Thank uh, this morning I was reading Psalm 2 and, 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 and how men's are handling their affairs. The leaders of the world think they know what they're doing and God is laughing at them. <laughs> Literally laughing at how they think they are the ones that are putting together all the parts in this whole jigsaw. So it's just amazing for me to see uh, what is going on. You know, you know, in regards to the United States... Um, It's not a secret that we're watching a decline of an empire. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you that. Um, I think that we must come to the understanding that throughout history, there were always empires that were coming up and were going down. And and it was mostly um, when they uh, stopped doing what they were there to do, that they started declining. And I know that uh, it's like preaching to the choir. When you come to a church and you speak to uh, mostly conservative people, then they're all angry that uh, we're talking about it. But believe it or not, for the most part, most people right now outside are not conservative. And you must come to the realization that uh, this country is, is getting more and more and more of the not-so-conservative Um, And eventually, it is what it is. We're watching this. Now, in regards to Afghanistan, make no mistake. Nobody nobody thinks that you should have stayed there. It's not about whether being there or not. It's about how you end up. Uh, It's not if. And um, you may not know, but the 45th president had a deal that had been broken by the current administration and and the president of afghanistan who fled with over 120 million dollars to the united arab emirates and you need to understand that from the moment a change of government took place in america almost Everything that the 45th president did was reversed. I mean, literally everything within the first week. And it seems to me very amusing that uh, the one big failure of this government is being now put on someone. That every decision he made actually was canceled before. But the thing is this, you must understand something. Biblically, because we can talk about world affairs forever. It is not going to edify us if we're not going to look at things from a Biblical perspective. Biblically, and I don't care about your opinion and I think God doesn't care about mine either. It's not our opinion. Biblically, America has to be stepping down from its role as a world empire. Not for the sake of America necessarily, but for the sake of Israel. Let me explain what I'm saying. Bible prophecy has nothing to do with nations and their affairs with one another. Bible prophecy has all to do with nations and their affairs with Israel. Amen. You need to understand that. That's what Bible... Pro- you can you know, go to the Bible and read. Every time you talk about Assyria, about Babylon, about Egypt, about uh, Persia. You always talk about them in regards to what they do to Israel, to the people, or to the land. So when we look at Scriptures, we need to look at it this way. In order for the next big move in Bible prophecy, which everyone agrees is the big war of Ezekiel 38 and 39. America cannot come to help Israel and Israel will be also in a point where it's vulnerable enough to be invaded by the coalition that is coming from the north. And so I am not surprised with what I'm seeing. In fact, I'm encouraged to know that everything that is written in this book, as if I'm surprised, is more accurate than any analyzer or specialist that is sitting in the department of justice or defense or whatever here in this country or in my country. We have a book that contains not only the past, but the present and even more so the future. And God granted us the privilege of of understanding the times and the seasons so we will not be afraid. So we will not be depressed. So we will understand that He's in full control. God knows the affairs of man. He knows everything that is written here in future tense is actually past for God. Because God is above time. When He's above time, that means He already saw what is going to happen. So in his, by His grace, He gave us this book. So, we will know what is going to happen. It's not if, it has to happen. Because he saw it happening already. That's why when he writes those things, he says, these things must happen. Why must happen? Because he knows the heart of men. And so, when we look at things, we need to understand the closer we get to the final phase of the world as we know before there's going to be a great tribulation and a world leader that will emerge. The closer we get, the more intense it is going to be. The more people will lose confidence in their governments. Not only here, all around the world. And the more people will come to the realization that maybe a new system has to be installed. A system where it's no longer government of countries, but maybe it's... A global government that will take care of business once and for all, everywhere, at once. We're the most blessed generation since the time of Jesus Christ. We see more prophecies being fulfilled in our time than any other generation since the generation of 2000 years ago. And 2000 years ago, they didn't have a chunk of this book. Did you know that? 2000 years ago. Nobody in the New Testament had a New Testament. (laughs) We have the whole thing. We have no excuse to say we don't know. The whole book of Revelation is a love letter of God. Say, look, I know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what you need to fix. And then tell you at the very end that I'm coming quickly. In between, it's men's affairs and judgment that follows it. But take it. Teach it, learn it, because it's going to happen. Amazing. What a wonderful God we have. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that now you will bless your word, that it will not come back void, that it will go and achieve that which it was sent for. Bless this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of the message this evening is, Like Those Who Dream." And uh, while the world is going through so much chaos. There are things that are happening around the world that should make you smile and happy. Because God is in control, is on the move. And again, Bible prophecy is about what is going in the land or with the people of Israel. Remember that. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bear, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him." Isn't that beautiful? Look, there's not even a single place in, the whole, in this whole portion where it tells you, That when you see God in action, you should be angry, and sad, and murmuring, and crying. And No. When we see God in action, when the Lord does what He says He's going to do, we're like those who dream. Dreams are amazing things. And we are like those who dream. We're not those who dream, but we're like them. Because we're awake, we see what's going on. I came from Israel. I know what's going on. I don't have to dream. I see. And God speaks through dreams. Don't get me wrong. Dreams are amazing. I'm looking at Abimelech, the, the king who was about to marry Sarah. By mistake, if you remember. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife. For he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. You and all who are yours. God is is graciously telling that man. Do what I'm telling you to do, and you will live. And when was the last time? When was the first time God said, Hey, if you do this, you will surely die? At the Garden of Eden. He he told Adam and Eve, I love you so much that I don't want you to die. But if you touch this, you will surely die. And what is it that the serpent said? Oh, you will not surely die. The father of all lies. And so God is warning in dreams. We also know that. Jacob, who went from Beersheba all the way uh, up towards Haran. Basically, from southern Israel towards Turkey, up north. He came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it uh, at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there, the angels of God were ascending and descending on God revealed to Jacob in a dream something powerful that a person cannot see, you know, without that vision. God warns through dreams that we also know. Lavan, if you remember. Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled and then he took his brethren with him and he pursued him to seven, for seven days journey and, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. You know, Joseph and Pharaoh, if you remember that story in Genesis 41, Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. And and and, and the dreams are one, and the seven things are and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads uh, belighted by the east wind are uh, seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. God can even show kings, leaders of world empires through dreams, what God is about to do through dreams. Even Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, if you remember. Matthew 2. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Warning. Amazing. Herod was on the run. Herod was about to execute Satan's wish to destroy that person who will... Crush his head with his heel. And he listened and he did it. He fled to Egypt. God also encouraging people through dreams. And I want to tell you something dreams better be from God when you say they are from God. So we are in Corinth. Have you been to Corinth in Greece? How many of you have been to Corinth? Thank you for the two of you. <laughs> it's an amazing city, situated between the Aegean and the Adriatic Sea. And right there, it's, 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 a, it's like a, an isthmus, which is a little pass between two seas. And that's where Corinth is. And Corinth had a, a harbor, basically two of them, facing each sea. And uh, Corinth had an upper city on, a, on the top of a big hill the Acrocorinth, the upper corinth. Acropolis means upper city. Acrocorinth, upper corinth. And it's interesting because on the Acrocorinth, there was a big shrine for Aphrodite. And uh, suddenly, all the wives of the people around didn't know why their husbands are so spiritual. (laughs) They all want to worship Aphrodite. Until they found out that in that temple of Aphrodite, there was a brothel base. It's not even a brothel. The prophetesses of of Diana or Aphrodite were actually prostitutes. And suddenly all the men felt so spiritual. And they started coming from the east and from from the west to that city. And they thought that they are actually completing a spiritual journey. (laughs) And Paul is watching and seeing all this horrible, horrible abomination. All in the name of some deities that are not even true. And if that's not enough, the only people he knows that worship the one God that he knows are the Jewish people. He goes to the synagogue and the Jews are even more against him. So he's so depressed. And the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And he says, do not be afraid. But speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city." And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. Through that dream, God appears. appeared. Paul, who wanted to leave the next day probably, stayed a year and a half longer. Because God said, even though it's full of pagan people, even though it's full of self-righteous people, even though it's so supposedly a religious place, I have many people in this city. Miami, God has many people in this city. And you're depressed. And if you're discouraged by seeing all the junk that you see outside, don't. I haven't seen the, the temple of Diana yet here. I mean, I see all the ships coming, that's for sure. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing: God has many people in this city. Do not be discouraged. But there are also false dreams, And unfortunately, lately, lately, Christians are becoming experts in it. Before the elections in America, who, the number of dreams I found online, people. Who had dreams that a certain person will stay in office, and he's not. Who had dreams that the day after the elections, Russia will take over Washington DC. Or China will take over What? Listen, I've seen those. These were gaining hundreds of thousands of views. Respected pastors decided to share their dream with everyone. The Bible says in Jeremiah twenty-three thirty-two, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams. Say the Lord and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Some lie purposely. Some are just recklessness. They really, they really didn't hear from God, but they thought mm, maybe from God. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, say the Lord. Look, if you have a dream, and your dream has nothing to do with the Bible, keep it to yourself. No, really. Or, if your dream contradicts what the Bible says that is going to happen, also keep it to yourself. It's a 100% false dream. Or certainly not from God. Maybe it's a true dream. Maybe you dreamt about it. You know how many weird dreams I had in my life? Every time I feel like I'm about to fall off a cliff or I drove off the... I wake up. That's it. It's over. I'm not telling the whole world about it. And the Bible says, when the Lord brought back the captives or the captivity, where to? Where to? The Bible says Zion, to Zion. Did you know that the word Zion occurs in the Bible 176 times? Did you know that this word, first mentioned in 2 Samuel 5:7, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. Zion was originally an ancient Jebusite fortress in the city of Jerusalem. And then we know that um, the name became a synonym for Jerusalem itself, and then for the land of Israel, and for the people of Israel. 2 Samuel 5, 7. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. And when Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, the meaning of Zion expanded further to include the temple area. Mount Zion, which is in the side of the north, the Bible says. Remember? Well, of course, that's where the temple was then. And you see more and more how the Lord is basically using that name for the city of Jerusalem. In Isaiah 40, verse 9, you see in Psalm 2, "...yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion." Psalm 48, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On what? The side of the north. North of the city of David is the Temple Mount. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Psalm 132, for the Lord has chosen what? For what? He has desired it for what? His dwelling place. For there shall be a day in Jeremiah 31, when the watchman will cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Isaiah 40, O Zion, you who bring good tithing, get up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tithing. You see, it's a, it's a parallel, Zion with Jerusalem, of the same words. Jeremiah 31, Therefore they shall come and sing in the heights of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord, Zechariah 9, for I have bent Judah my bow, fitted the bow with a Ephraim, and raised up your sons, O Zion." You see, your sons, O Zion's knights, it's, it's a synonym for Israel itself. The word Zion is also used in a theological or spiritual sense in Scripture, not just for Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, Zion refers figuratively to Israel, as I said. As the people of God, and that is what Isaiah 60 is all about. And in the New Testament, Zion refers to God's spiritual kingdom also. Isaiah 60 says, "...also the sons of those who afflict you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despise uh, you shall fall, uh, prostrate at, at the soles of your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel." And In Hebrews 12, we see the New Testament meaning, "...but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels." So we see that God is speaking about Zion. Even Peter himself is quoting the Old Testament by saying, "...there is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he, who believes on him, will by no means be put to shame. It is in Zion that the Messiah is going to appear. Mount Zion is geographical area, but it's also clear that Zion will be uh, also uh, the sole possession of the Lord Jesus. And Zion, the nation and the city will be restored in the future. So you read Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60, we see Zion appears so many times. And this is exactly when the Lord says, Zion is the place of my inhabitant, or of where I'm going to dwell. That's why the world will come against it. Did you know that the United Nations, I call the UN United nothing or unnecessary. United Nations General Assembly Resolution 3379, adopted on November 10, 1975, by a vote of 72 to 35, determined that Zionism is a form of racism and racial discrimination. Well, a lot of people are using the race card nowadays to to define something that is completely different. But I can tell you that Zionism is the what? The fact that the land of Zion belongs to the people of Zion. Who are the people of Zion? The Jewish people. What is the land of Zion? The land of Israel. So God forbid when you say that Israel belongs to the Jews, you're a racist. (laughs) The determination that Zionism for racism and racial discrimination contained in the resolution. uh, It was later revoked in 1991 with U.N. General Assembly Resolution 4686. (laughs) Thank you, U.N. (laughs) See, God could care less about them. God is the one who brought the captivity to Zion. Not us. I did not bring myself. I was born there. But my grandparents survived the Holocaust. And trust me, they did never, ever plan on coming back to Israel. They had a good life in Poland until the bad life started. When the Third Reich rose to power and then they realized there is nothing for them to do in Europe anymore. And they got on the boat after they survived Auschwitz and they got on the boat in Italy on the way to a land full of mosquitoes, desert. You know Mark Twain? Mark Twain said that the land was so desolate that even the mosquitoes didn't want to live there. Mark Twain even said, even the cactus, that is a great friend of the desert, didn't want to live there or grow there. And they packed their things, whatever they had, and they left. And and the British police stopped them. They lost all their families in the Holocaust. They see the promised land. The British police stopped them, turned their boat, and sent them to Cyprus. This is where my mom was born, in in a detention camp in Cyprus. In the captivity! The Lord brought them back. God, make no mistake, allowed the captivity. Who is the one who sent the Jews out of the land for 70 years during the time of Jeremiah? God. And why is that so? It's so because they did not keep the commandments of God. And they did not keep their every... Seventh year was a sabbatical year, if you remember. They, for 490 years, they skipped that seventh year. And altogether, 70 years that they did not keep. For each and every one of those sabbatical, years, God said, you will spend outside. These nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Jeremiah 25, because you have not heard my words. Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And, he, and I will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around. And I will utterly destroy them and, and, and make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years." And it's interesting because you're saying, wait a minute, how can God allow such a thing? Well, God is not the one who made Nebuchadnezzar hate Israel. He used... The fact that he was coming anyway to judge Israel for what Israel did. But guess what? He punished the perpetrators for their motives. In other words, if you're saying, oh, I hate those Jews. They deserve punishment. Well, God is going to punish you for hating them. But, but they are not fulfilling God's will. That's their problem with him, not yours. Jeremiah 25. Then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish who? The king of Babylon. See, God did not put the hatred in the hearts of, of the king of Babylon for Israel. He used it, and then he judged him for it. The Lord is the one who brought the captives to Zion. Not us, the Lord. When somebody comes to you and says, how come the Jews return back to their land? They they do not belong there. Well, if you have a problem with that, talk to you know who? The Lord. He brought them back. He brought them back. And by the way, every minute the Jewish people spent outside of Israel was an abomination for God. You know why? I'll tell you why. I'll show you why. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me their ways were like uncleanness. Okay, never mind. Then, therefore I poured out my fury on them, for the blood they had shed on the land, and for their idols which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. And when they came to the nations where Wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. Now you're saying, wait a minute, the Jews went out and said, God is bad? No. The mere fact that they were there and not in their land profaned his name. And that's what he said. Look what he says. When they said to them, when the nation said to them, these are the people of the Lord. And yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Just by going to the nations, without saying a word, you already profane the name of the Lord because you're not to be there. And it's your bad deeds that made you going there. And look what he says. Therefore said to the house of Israel, Thus said the Lord your God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And, watch this. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among all the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Wow. God says, watch what I'm doing. They're going to pay for what they did. But the moment will come when I want the attention of not the Jews of the nations. How many of you are Gentiles here? <laughs> yes. How many of you eat uh, bacon and all of that? <laughs> Gentiles are not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, look how much God loves you. That He brought Israel back to their land so you will see that He is God. You see what he just said? He said, the nation shall know that I am the Lord. Wait a minute, I thought he does it because he loves Israel and he hates us. No, he loves you so much that he's bringing them back to their land even against their will. In Ezekiel 37, the Lord said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The Lord brought Ezekiel in a dream to a valley full of dry bones. Ezekiel is terrified. These bones can talk because they are living people. But they are just skin and bones. And he says, what is it? And he says, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, we, 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 we the Jews will love to complain. We always love to see the bad side of the whole thing. That's us. This is—I own it. This is our nation. We 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 were taken beautifully out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea for us, and we wanted meat. <laughs> we want to go back to Egypt. Can you imagine? We love to complain. Have you watched Seinfeld? We love to complain. That's Now watch this. Watch this. Ezekiel says, look, what is it? And the Lord said, you see them? That's the house of Israel. Now, let me tell you what they say. They say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. They see that there. And then he says, behold. Behold, O my people, I I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves. And I will bring you into what land? The Lord bring us back to Zion. It's Israel, not Palestine. It's not a Palestine. He will bring us back to the land of Israel. And look what he says. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. You see, God says, look, I'm not only talking, I'm doing. America didn't help you. Did you know that there was a whole ship of Jews that fled from Germany and America didn't let them in? Cuba didn't let them in. Cuba didn't let them in, America didn't let them in, Canada didn't let them in. They had to go back to, uh, to Germany and most of them died. And God says, I the Lord have spoken it and performed it. Nobody helped them. There was no C-17 or C-130s that were taking off every 10 minutes from the airport, loaded with people. No. And we survived the genocide of 6 million people. Who, by the way, killed us just because we're Jews, and nobody helped. And God says, you really don't need anyone to bring you back, I will bring you back, it's my job. And he brought us back. What does it mean, the word back? Return, which means they were there before. Hello? The first time, I will say it's the first time, is when Abraham came. That's the first time. It's the land. It's Abraham. It's okay. In fact, God didn't even give him a choice. It's not like, Abraham, what do you think? Canaan, Canada, choose. No. (laughs) I will take you to a place that I will show you. And he didn't even ask him for his opinion. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. Although Abraham is the father of all nations, out of Abraham's Lord came a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, that nation. And I will curse him who curses you and in you, the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, through that nation. The rest of the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Wow, This is a recipe. Bless them, you'll be blessed. Curse them, you'll be cursed. Very simple. How can I be blessed? Bless them. How can I be cursed? Curse them. Ask Balaam. Back in the land was already when Joshua led them into the land. That was back. Let's go back. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. God gave it to us. We we, we don't beg for land. God gave it to us. By the way, this is the first time they enter as a nation. When they left, they left as just... The sons of Jacob, remember? Just the sons. When they came back, they came as the nation. Wow. And then, of course, we know in Daniel chapter 9 Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray that your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem. Because after they came back, the Lord sent them out again. And your holy mountain because for our sins and for the iniquities of our father, Jerusalem and the people are a reproach. To all those around us, now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations, and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. What a, what a courageous man Daniel was. He says, Lord, whatever you do with us, remember, everybody will know that it's you. And after we came back to the land... We blew it again, and the Romans kick us out, this time for 2,000 years. And then Ezekiel speaks about the return of the Jews. I will take you from among the nations, gather you of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. That's what Ezekiel said. Wow. First, the physical restoration of Israel. Then he says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of... How can you get a new heart? I tell you how. Read Jeremiah 31. The Lord said in verse 30 and 31, He said that I will give you a new testament, new covenant. And it will no longer be written on paper. It will be written on the plates of your heart. Your heart will change. And the Word will be already on it. How? Only when you believe in Christ, the New Testament, New Covenant. I'll take that heart of stone out of your flesh, give a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgment and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall also be my people and I will be your God. So God began over the last 70 years. The physical restoration of Israel. He started, and it's called Aliyah in Hebrew to ascend, to go up to the house of the Lord, I guess. Aliyah is going up. The Lord came down upon Mount, maybe because Moses went up to get the, the law, but Micah says, Come up, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. So God is bringing the Jews back to the land. Did you know that there's a new report that shows? That a greater number of Jews making Aliyah, it means the closer we are to seeing Israel receive a new heart. Because first they need to be restored physically to the land, and then they will be restored spiritually. He's bringing the Jews, the Jewish people back from the ends of the earth. Not just from one place, not just from Babylon. This time from the four corners of the world. He's working, on, on, uh, working all of human history to this end. To be God to His beloved creation, with every new immigrant, the time gets closer. You see, some Gentiles along the history understood what God is doing with Israel. Yes. One of them, we know, was Rahab. (laughs) Not the best job in the world, but she was what we call street smart. Not a great choice of words, but uh, before they lay down, she came to those spies and 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 on that roof, and she said to them, "I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know." And she said to them, "The terror that you of you has fallen on us; and that the inhabitants of all the land faint-hearted because of you." We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. We've heard what He did to the kings of, of the Amorites. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above it, on earth beneath. That's why this woman is in the lineage of the Savior. I go back to Balaam in Numbers 23. He took up his oracle, Balaam, that magician. He got money from the king to curse Israel. He took the money, put it in his pocket, took the oracle, and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. And then he said, oops, got the money. But how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Sorry, can't do it. There was no return of the money policy in those days. (laughs) Even Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God, wherever you die, I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Even the king of Persia, Cyrus... The first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, that the Lord, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in his writing saying, thus says the Cyrus, the king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel." He acknowledged. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. So there is a prophetic and spiritual significance of the return of the Jews. And as I mentioned before, Bible prophecy is nothing to say about the nations as such in their relations to one another. But only in their relations to Israel, the people, and the land. Deuteronomy chapter 32 says, When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the place of His inheritance. The way God is dealing with the nations, based on how He's dealing with Israel. Nothing less than that. The key to all prophecy is the Jew. If the Jewish nation had not forsaken God and neglected the Sabbaths, there would have been no times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles began when God transferred earthly rule from the kings of Israel to the Gentile king Nebuchadnezzar. And they will continue. America is now a superpower. Once America will sink, who do you think is going to be the next superpower? Let me give you a secret. It's not Israel. It's going to be the Antichrist ruling from the western part of Europe. And that's going to be a new kingdom, the revived Roman Empire. It's not yet Israel. And the seven years tribulation will finally bring Israel on its knees to finally acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. And then the Bible says, It will continue until Israel again becomes the head of all nations during the millennial kingdom. And we, the generation, look at you, all of you, filling this place on a Wednesday evening. Look at you. You are the generation that is watching the fig tree coming back to life. You're watching God's handling with Israel within your lifetime. The way, not even the apostles and the disciples saw. Learn this parable from the fig tree. Jesus said when He spoke about the end time signs. He says, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. When the Jewish people return back to their land, and that fig tree that was cursed is now coming back to life. You know it's the end. He says, assuredly, I say to you, this generation, this generation. I want you to lift up your hand right now. Hello? (laughs) You are the generation. This generation, by no means. Pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But thy word will by no means pass away. And, and, and the psalmist wrote, bring us back to the land. He says, like the streams in the south. Have you been to Israel? Good, because there are no streams in the south. <laughs> Next, the southern part of Israel is a desert. There's only one case where those... That part of the land has streams. You know when? Flash floods. When it's heavy rains all around the mountains, it comes down as flash floods. Have you ever seen a flash flood? It's just, it takes everything on its way. And that exactly what happened in 1948. I I started this message with my grandparents surviving Auschwitz, making it all the way to the land. For every person that lived in Israel in 1948, three new immigrants came. Amazing. And it's aliyah, it's immigration from the four winds. And we didn't even know how to communicate. Yemenite Jews, Moroccan Jews, German Jews, Spanish Jews, Polish Jews, Russians. How, how will they even communicate? God says, it's time to restore their language, Hebrew. Wow. See, He restored first the land, then restored them from their graveyard in Europe brought them back to their land, restored the language, and now thus the fig tree is coming back to life. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where He had driven them. For I will bring them back into the land which I have which I gave to their fathers. Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterwards, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them for every mountain and every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. For my eyes are on. All their ways, they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my face. And the Lord began the most amazing thing that is happening before our very eyes. And all of us are just too busy talking about vaccines. (laughs) Look what's going on when all of us are just being completely distracted by the enemy. Take a look. I want you to see those, those pictures. Jews are coming by great numbers. I mean, if it started in 1948 by those shifts, which is one of them is where my grandparents were on. Then in 1980s, we brought... Are you kidding me? We brought a thousand people inside a 747. And two babies were born on that flight. People coming from from different parts of the world, even today. And you think, COVID stopped it. COVID stopped God. Kiss that thought goodbye. Take a look at the next one and see for yourself. Look at what I am seeing right here. Despite pandemic, more Argentine Jews made move to Israel in 2020. Netanyahu tells Ethiopian Prime Minister he plans to airlift 2,000 Ethiopian Jews to Israel. After canceled flight, 31 Brazilian Jews zigzagged their way to Israel. Past decades saw over a quarter million immigrants to Israel from how many countries? 150 countries. When we are too busy, making the church the most divided ever in the history, God is doing what God is promising that He will do. This is God. God is not into... You see, we miss out all this because we're too busy watching fake news and and conspiracy YouTubes. Look at this annual Aliyah. 2010, 19,000, 2011, 12, 13... It continues, and more, and more, and more. And these are not illegal crossing the Rio Grande. These are people, (laughs) listen to me. These are people that we bring. We're the only country on planet Earth. The only country on planet Earth that part of the mission statement of its um, secret service, the Mossad, is to bring the Jews from the four corners of the world. Did you know that? So, I'm telling you. This is it. More than 20,000 olim, aliyah, new immigrants from 70 countries, moved to Israel in 2020. <sighs> and we, and the church is missing out because we're so busy. Pro, anti, this, and that. Dog Harshi. In the Jewish immigration to Israel said, 2014 marked the first year in over 2,000 years that the nation with the largest Jewish population was Israel. With the borders of the land promised to them. Ask yourself, which is greater? That after 460 years, God would bring 2 million people back to His land from, out of only one nation, which is from Babylon? Or that after 2,000 years, God would bring 6 million people from every nation to His land? We are experiencing the time of the greater exodus. And what it means to the believer is that those of us who love the Lord and His Word, we're watching ancient biblical prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. The most repeated promise in the Old Testament is that God will return His people to their land. We see how they must be back in their land. For Daniel's prophecy to be... Look at it, Daniel says, Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish transgression, make an end of sins, make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most High." So we see that there is a, a whole prophecy just for the people of Israel. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and your city. We happened, the church happened to just be right in there, but the vision was for the people of Israel. I believe that for the first time in history, God is using the church and Israel simultaneously. Because when Israel was in the land, the church did not exist. And when the church came to existence, Israel was spread all around the world. First time ever the church exists and Israel is back in their land since 1948. And I believe it's, it's an amazing, it's, it's like the two trumpets that God gave Moses to make. The Lord spoke to Moses, make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them out of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation, directing the movement of the camp. And when they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Israel is the time clock. See I believe that we are the two that symbolizes of Israel and the church simultaneously God is using the church and Israel to tell the whole world I'm about to do something Israel is a time clock to the physical departure of the church you may be here this evening and you not understand the scriptures are telling us that God is about to take his church out of here Wait a minute that sounds too fictitious. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Bible spoke about the parting of the Red Sea. It makes sense to you? Good, because the rapture of the church should make sense to you as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, it's not me, that the Lord will descend Himself. When there's a trumpet in the heavenlies and our bodies will change. What do you mean change? I work out three times a day. What do you mean change? It's good. You're very, whatever, nice. But uh, this body, whatever it is, cannot enter the kingdom of God. (laughs) I always hear those amens in a McDonald's while people are (laughs) still. Israel is, you have to understand, when we see these things happening, we look up because our redemption is drawing near. Wait, wait, Wait a minute. What do you mean, amen? I just said, our redemption is drawing near. I thought we we're redeemed. The redemption of the body. Romans 8. You say, we're still here. We're having new heart, new spirit. We're new creation. We are born again, spirit-filled, but we're still here. Look at you. Put a picture of you from 20 years ago. You're dying. But the Lord says, very soon, what is He going to do? Change us and take us out of here. And that's the redemption we're looking forward to. (laughs) Israel as a source of blessing, hope, and comfort to the church. Look, they're still in unbelief, disbelief. But they are, even in their disbelief, their return to the land is a great source of hope for us. Because we know the victory comes back to life, we know that it's at the door. Beautiful. Israel is also the subject of blessing and hope and comfort from the church. Isaiah 40 says, Comfort, ye comfort my people. Who can comfort his people? Tell me, who can comfort God's people, Israel? Only those who were comforted. How do I know? Because God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. With what? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Amazing. We were awake and not asleep. We see the day approaching, ladies and gentlemen. We understand the times and the seasons. We understand what's going on around the world. They'll sell you that there's going to be peace and safety, but sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon pregnant women, and they shall not escape, the Bible says. Second Timothy four two. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, because We are the sons of light in a very dark world. And with the only reason God is still having us here is because he's not done yet with all the sinners outside. Now, what is the... By the way, how many of you have business card? Okay, let me give you an idea for your future business card. Make a card and say, future governor. Because we're going to reign with him, remember. But you can even make a card that without the future, ambassador. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ here. Which means this is not our home. Our home is there with him. He is now giving us the title ambassadors to implore people to what? Reconcile with God. Not to sit home and, and, and write about Fauci schmouchy all day long. <laughs> Stop that nonsense. The only reason we're still here is to preach the gospel, not anything else. And if you find yourself more about that than about the gospel, then something is terribly wrong with your understanding of your role in this world today. We are the sons of light in a very, very dark world. You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. No, they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it will give light to all. Do people look at you and they see light? What do they see exactly? Because lately, I feel that the church has more hatred than love. More division than unity. And they talk about everything but Jesus. You're all the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Seeing Israel back in the land should make us excited and eager for his return. I'm going to conclude with these verses now. Three verses, but watch this. If you're not eager for his return, he might not take you. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I did not say that. Watch this. Listen to what I said. Look at this. Okay, are you ready? I'm not trying to say that there is a partial rapture. I'm trying to say every believer, every believer who has the Holy Spirit must eagerly want to be taken out of Earth. Must eagerly expect Jesus to come. Now watch this. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Watch this. To those, read with me. To those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear the second time, apart from sin, for salvation. What salvation? Aren't you saved? The salvation of your body. And what is it? The rapture. Because only the rapture will save this body. Because this body will have to change. Take it out of here. Oh, I love my body. Good for you. I don't. Ladies and gentlemen, flesh and blood cannot, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says, our citizenship in heaven from which we also, what? Eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 5.5, for we through the Spirit, what? Eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. 1 Corinthians 1.7, so that you come short in no gift, What? Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.25 But if we hope for what we do not see, we what? We eagerly wait for it with what? Perseverance." Perseverance. You see, and this is what it's all about. Israel is returning back to the land that God is doing. The question for you this evening, are you Eagerly waiting for his return. Eagerly waiting. That means, you know, I was picked up uh, in Singapore one day by a deacon of a church. And he picked me up in a beautiful Mercedes. And I love cars. So, wow, whoa, whoa, beautiful. Which car is there? Oh, Mercedes. Okay, well, nice. And then he said, oh, the Lord has blessed my business so much. And oh, the Lord has blessed my company so much. I just built a beautiful house. We're about to move into that house. In fact, I don't mind that Jesus will not come back soon because I... <laughs> That's when I realized. When you fall in love with this world and what this... Wo- How can you wait for a house in Singapore when God is going to give you mansion that he's been working on for the last 2,000 years? Do you trust the contractors here more than you trust Jesus, who makes those mansions? you Are kidding me? So I want to conclude with this. With all the nonsense and all the stress and agony we see around us today, let's not lose focus of what God is really doing in Israel. And the Jews are the best end time sign for you. And I want you all to understand. If you're not born again, spirit-filled, eagerly waiting for him to come back, then something is wrong with your spiritual life. And you need to ask yourself, do I know him? And the power of his resurrection and the suffering and all of that. Do I really know my Lord? Because to those who eagerly wait for him, he will return the second time. And that's... What we want. Father, we thank you so much for your word. There's really nothing around us in this world that cannot change. Everything that is not of you is going to be shaken and even collapse. But the things of you will stay standing. So, Father, we ask this evening. That if there's anything in our lives that is not of you, may you bring it down. So only your word, your commandments, your, your light will be shining through us. These are dark days. The Bible says, redeem your time for the days are evil. We ask, Father, as Moses said in Psalm 90, teach us to count our days. In the very few days, weeks, or months that we still have here, I don't know, make us redeem the time. Preach the gospel. Be about the Father's business. And wherever we are. Whether it's ministry, work, politics, whatever we do, may we shine the light of Jesus and bring people to Him by what we say and how we live. We thank You and we bless You this evening. And we ask this in the, holy, in the name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah who is the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Prince of Peace, who can give us peace now and forever, here and everywhere. And as things are going to get only worse in this world, as Jesus promised, let us remember to be of good cheer, for He has overcome this world. And We pray. In the name of Jesus, and all of God's people, say, Amen. 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 I want to uh, I want to apologize that I cannot stay long. I'm up since 3 a.m. I was on a uh, few things that I needed to be in Israel on, on camera. So please forgive me. I have to rush back and go to bed. So thank you. God bless you and good evening.